Hey, everybody. Absolutely stunning news over here this week. We have a video version of this week's episode available on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash late night. Go over there, sign up at any tier, and you'll have access to it. Once again, that's patreon.com slash late night. Now, enjoy the show. Um, you want to play some piano? Sure. That was nice, Brian. Thank you. Some F minor for you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Late Night with Brian Wecht. And we don't have a guest, so we're just going to pop that intro within seconds. Well, should we just not do it at all at this point? Even though you did it, should we not do it for real? You're not listening to a podcast. Neither of us are real people. You just live in life, man. You've been in a coma for two years. Please wake up. <laughs> yeah. It's 2025 and everything's fine. Um, so I do want to start this off hot, coming in hot. Uh, oh. With what I have. You said, do I have anything to talk about today? <laughs> the answer in general is no, but our guest from the previous episode, Bill Childs, the amazing, wonderful Bill Childs, has been hot on the tail of this dinosaur album. I got to say, I'm so touched. I'm so touched. I've gotten approximately 50 texts <laughs> from him in the last 24 hours. He has put the word out to his networks to try to find this thing. So, Layton, I texted you something that Bill sent. Mm-hmm. And you said, seems possible, but hard to tell without the audio. Well, guess what? We have some plausible audio here. Now, <laughs> oh, shit. Now, the only thing is all the songs have the same titles and sound like those songs. The cover is totally different and the name is different, but the song titles yeah. are the same. So okay. I'm about to send you a, a link to a playlist on YouTube. Oh, my God. I have to say, I, I would be fairly surprised. I'm going to put it in the chat here. If this was not what you were talking about, given the time and... Selection. Yeah, selection. looking at the track list, it was very yeah. plausible. Now, <sighs> this is a playlist called Dinosaur Songs. Uh-huh. And the album appears to be called uh, I Dig Dinosaurs, which is terrible. Yes. All these have very low views. They're not as low as I thought they would you be. You know what? They are not. They're not they're not in the hundreds, they're in the thousands, which is actually pretty pretty reasonable. So, potential issue, where have all the dinosaurs gone? YouTube's telling me I've listened to this one before. Uh, uh but let's uh-oh. see. Let's see. It definitely does not have kids singing. Uh this tragically is not it. How is that possible? I know. I love that Bill is going so hard on this. I'm terrified that I've like messed up some critical detail that is hindering this effort. Well, did you listen to any of the other ones on this? Like no, Born I to didn't. Be Extinct. Should, Look at Born to Be Extinct. Hold on. I'm going to click on one that seems like click on He's a Carnivore. I'm watching your face for the slightest sign. <laughs> This is not it, but the song He's a Carnivore is really, really funny. The one that you listen to, the uh, Where Have All the Dinosaurs Gone, is a guy doing a Bob Dylan impression. Yeah, and it well, it sucks. He's a Carnivore is like a doo wop love song about don't marry a carnivore. Oh, listen to uh, Clickety Clack. And the moment it starts, you'll be like, uh oh. 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 Mm hmm. Oh, that's that's very. My name is Dinosaur. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm here to say. So this isn't it. Uh, 
I'm so sad. Okay, so the reason that I instantly knew that it was not Where Have All the Dinosaurs Gone is because it was very down-tempo. It was like mournful children singing. And then there was the the Big Bad T-Rex song was very like bombastic. Oh, there was a Big Bad T-Rex song too. Okay, yes. I didn't know this. This yeah. is new information. Oh, I forgot to mention that. That was one of them. And I found I several see, songs that are like called Big Bad T-Rex. I found one that was really, really close yesterday, but it was from some sort of like young earth creationist musician. Oh no. Where all of the songs were about God. And then there was one mm-hmm. song about the T-Rex. Even, even God can chill with the T-Rex. I was reading about this theme park. I think it was maybe something basic like Dinosaur Land that was made by like a Christian uh, pastor who was a young earth creationist. And the whole thing is it was like a dinosaur themed park you know, to go on about how Jesus was like tight with dinosaurs. And basically the whole reason they did it, because it was in the guy's backyard, is because they made it educational with Bible shit, it could be a tax write-off. Oh, got it. Yeah. Very cool. It counted as like a museum, essentially. Uh Uh-huh. And then there was the Holy Land theme park, which I believe is now defunct. There was one, I know Answers in Genesis had like a Noah's Ark in Kentucky somewhere. And then there's the Ark Experience. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, the museum. Yes. (laughs) I think that's Answers in Genesis. Yeah. But I could be wrong. I actually think that I found that T-Rex song on (laughs) AnswersInGenesis.com. How fun. Okay, I'm going to have to break the news to him right now. I'm going to text him. I'm so sorry. I hate that he's trying so hard. I feel bad. I feel like maybe the CD is kicking around my dad's house somewhere, potentially. Who knows? Bad news. She says it's still not the one. I now am I'm like internally per- gaslighting myself. I'm like, shocked. This not but exist. I, I'm going to say I'm shocked. But she also, how, how old were you when you heard this last? At the oldest, 10? Four. Younger? Four. But she also admits that she was like four when she heard it. So, but I loved it. I loved it. I played it all the time. Memory may be faulty. She hopes this isn't a wild goose chase. And please tell him that I think he's a total sweetheart and very, very kind for for giving but it his all. Really, really. Appreciates the effort. Okay, we'll see if he texts back. I really like a follow-up on a previous episode. Something Mm -hmm. I've been wondering about is in one of our earliest episodes back when we used to do advice, Mm -hmm. there was somebody who wrote in about their father who was doing music and performance art with a new dancer. Of course. It's been three years. TV glitter, right? TV glitter. No, wait, was it glitter? Glimmer? I thought it was glitter. Could be wrong. Should we look it up? Let's fucking look it up. If you still listen to this show, I would absolutely love a follow-up. What if I Google TV Glitter late in night? Yeah, it was TV Glitter, the SoundCloud. Here it is. Wow. And let's see, what is the most recent track? There's a track from two months ago, Layden. (gasps) Oh my gosh. There are tracks from a year ago. These are, we have definitely not heard these. Oh, okay. Bill has responded, by the way. This is precisely the kind of dumb thing I like doing. So <laughs> you've given the man a purpose, okay. which is great. Okay. I'm I here. Do you want me to throw this link in TV glitter? This is cool. Yeah. Are we going to listen to Vespers? We're listening to Vespers, but this is the one, right? It's got to be. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Let's, let's listen to Vespers at the same time. All right. Here we go. Ready? Three, two, one, play. I'm sorry. This fucking rules. I'm so yeah. into this. I really yeah, love it. Because I'm still imagining the like nude dancing on top of it, which I think is perfect. I like what this tone is doing. It's dark ambient. That's really what it is. Yeah. This is great. This is fun. I wish that massage places would go for this kind of Thank thing. Thank you. Instead of fucking pan flutes. The music massage places play is so bad that it makes me less relaxed. Because all I can do is listen to it and think, this is fucking terrible. Yeah. Uh, I'm still listening to this in the background, by the Me way. Me too. Let's just keep this on during the episode. Yeah. It's too loud. 
Man, should every episode of Late Night have a backing ambient track? I feel like that would be kind of I'm not of opposed sick. to it, actually. Yeah. But yeah, when I did my culty therapy retreat, uh-huh. you know, I was in a very activated, angry, cornered animal uh, trying to chew its arm off vibe uh-huh. there. But, you know, you couldn't listen to any music. The only thing that you could listen to was the stuff that they played. And it was generic pre-1980s rap. Yeah. <laughs> it was generic, great. you know, pan fluting music, but then the soundtrack for American Beauty. And it would just be on oh, shuffle. Oh, yes. You've mentioned this. What a crime. <laughs> like, yeah. we want you to be well. We want you to focus on yourself. Here is the worst music you've ever heard. <laughs> and it seems like, by the way, for a therapy retreat that is supposed to be top of the line or whatever, some of those people are musicians and might be distracted by how fucking terrible that music is. It like, sounds like the default iPhone ringtone. That's uh-huh. what that soundtrack sounds like. And also, I don't want to think about Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Yes. What are some of your favorite film scores since we're hot off the me talking about how much I hated the score for Oppenheimer? You know what? Actually, I was just thinking about this. I was thinking about the Alan Silvestri score to Roger Rabbit the other day, which is so fun. It's just so like... Jazzy and great. I assume he did the music for the Maroon cartoons in there too. I really like that score because I had just been listening for whatever reason. I was thinking about the Back to the Future score. Oh, because I was thinking about the Back to the Future musical, which has recently opened on Broadway. Chris Grace was oh. telling us a little bit about it. And I was like, I don't want to listen to that music. I want to listen to the actual music. And the music from Back to the Future fucking rules. It's so great. The yeah, that's very iconic. It's iconic. And after Marty goes back to the future, there's that single like trumpet or whatever it does. And it's just like, what a great, simple, but immediately recognizable melody. It's awesome. That was a very important movie to me. I recognize it's some of its uh, sociological, shall we say, flaws. But uh, I love Back to the Future. Yeah, I love the Back to the Future movies, even too. They're just, that was the right time for me. I was excited for Back to the Future 2 to come out. I went to see it like opening weekend. I could not get enough. I remember I, one of the BBSs I signed up for when I was like 12 was like a Back to the Future BBS because I was so excited about it. What kind of discussions happened on the Back to the Future BBS? I, I don't even remember. I mean, I was too young to really like get into it, I guess, or too scared or whatever. But I remember dialing up and they had like a train from Back to the Future 3. And I was like, fuck, this is so cool. You know, I loved it. So I, yeah, Back to the Future and Roger Rabbit, both Silvestri, I think, are great. We recently rewatched The Lord of the Rings, or Audrey watched them for the first time. And that You're Howard right. Shore score is really, really good. Just like does what it needs to do. I, I still have the ambient music playing, by the way. Me too. No, I was going to say that I love it. <laughs> it's it's pretty great. Yeah. TV glitter. It's great. TV glitter. Vesper is the track that we're listening to. If you want to emulate the experience, check out TV glitter on and you know start Vesper at the same time. We that might we do. put this in if that's okay. I don't know. We'll see. Honestly, so another score I really really love, the Hildur Guanadotir or however you say her name, mm-hmm. uh, the cellist. Her score for Joker, it's great. Like, yeah. think what you will about Joker as a movie. That score is fantastic. Oh, she killed it. And so many John Williams things, but I'm not going to get into that right now. Uh, what about you? Well, the big obvious answer for me is the thing, Ennio Morricone score, just the bomb. Yep, it's great. Bomb, bomb. Yep. Iconic. Uh-huh. I love the hereditary score very oh, much, the Colin one. Stetson one. It's really effective in the movie, but in the past, when I've been working on horror stuff, I will just put on that album. I, I think it's oh, interesting, fantastic, mm-hmm. especially the like ending, um, all the Hail Paimon track. That one is really great. Hmm. 
I used to love Philip Glass in the movie The Hours, which is a movie that I don't care about. I love Philip Glass, yeah. The soundtrack for The Hours is awesome. Mm-hmm. The Donnie Darko score is great. Oh, I don't remember that. Who's it by? I actually don't remember. What is your current opinion of Donnie Darko as a adult? Oh, yeah. So it was one of my favorite movies in high school. And mm-hmm. I, I liked it when I saw it. Michael yes. Andrews is the composer. And I rewatched it as an adult, worried that it wasn't going to hold up. And I loved it. And then I watched it again when I was in treatment because I woke up before everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I just watched it and everyone was like, what is this movie? But no, it's great. I, I think it's fabulous. Okay, good. It's not the kind of thing like a Catcher in the Rye situation where you read it as a teen and really relate and then as an adult, it's not really hidden with you. Mm-hmm. I, it's like clever and funny and I like everybody in it and the score is great. And, you know, it's a meme now, the the Mad World needle drop yeah, at the end. Sure. But it's still it's good. great. We, we were actually told at one point, like, Ninja Sex Party, if you want to license songs, slow down versions of 80s songs. Like, do it. And you'll sell them. Like, you'll put them in trailers. People yeah. really want that shit. That's true. It's like every goddamn trailer I see every- now, which is only when I go to the theater and I'm forced to watch them. Mm-hmm. Actually, wait, I was on a call with Jory yesterday and I, you know, I don't watch trailers. I don't keep up mm-hmm. with movie mm-hmm. news, mm-hmm. but Jory mm-hmm. asked me to watch the trailer for Wonka, uh, starring oh, yeah. Timothy Chalamet. Uh-huh. <sighs> we were talking about how it seems like it would be a great sketch where it's like a movie that's really whimsical and magical and fun, but the lead is not committing and clearly hates it. <laughs> It's like that embarrassing trailer, to watch. <laughs> I watched that trailer with, an, with a totally open mind. I was like, mm-hmm. I like Timothy Chalamet. Does a great job generally. Yeah. And I, I watched that trailer and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> He's fighting this so hard. <laughs> the only time that trailer comes to life is with Hugh Grant at the very end. You know, Hugh Grant is clearly in that phase of his career where he kind of doesn't give a fuck about anything anymore, which started, I think, with Paddington 2 where he is maybe the best performance of his career. Uh, (laughs) But that that trailer was dire, very dire. (laughs) Dire is totally the word. And like, I really like him as an actor. What were they doing with that casting? Every line delivery just... Because look, (sighs) well, you're younger than me. Tell me if this is true. You're going to be compared to Gene Wilder. If you play Willy Wonka, you will be compared to Gene Wilder. And no one will be better than Gene Wilder. And it's not better, but like, at least you have to put your own thing on it. Gene Wilder is the best. I never even saw the fucking uh, Johnny Johnny Depp Depp one. one. No interest in it. I saw it in theaters as a kid when it came out, but it conveniently came out around the time that I was in a production of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when I was Mm. in my theater kid phase. So, Mm -hmm. of course, it was like... And you played? um, Who did I play? I was an Oompa Loompa. Cool. And boy, did the orange paint uh, really not go over easy with a bunch of fidgety children. Yeah. I remember one of the scenes that I was in was the Mike TV and I was like the camera operator. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I had like a big cardboard box and everything, Mm -hmm. but we didn't have the prop yet. And so during rehearsals, oh, fuck. So our director that we always had... uh, I don't want to say his name. Don't say his name. But it was a perfect first name for this type of guy, but we're all terrified of him because he was mean. You know, he was like the dance instructor and the director and everything. And so he would and do wait, this. You're, you're how old at this point? Like 12 or something? No, no, no. I was like eight or nine. Like if you were under 10, you were pretty much only getting ensemble roles. Mm-hmm. Like I was in Wizard of Oz and I was a poppy and a munchkin and, <laughs> and like a citizen of Emerald City. I had like five costume changes in that one. Anyway, but... He would do this thing where like, he would be like, you're not working hard enough. You're you're all going to do this routine. And if I point at you, you go stand at the back of the room and you're not in this production anymore. <laughs> what? At eight? Oh my oh, God. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was like right before that Christmas. Sucks. And he had everybody come up and like sit on his lap and tell them what we wanted for Christmas. And me and my on friend Amanda. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. I know. And we sat on his lap and we both said that we wanted the DVD of the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. And mm-hmm. so he did it with everybody and he was like pretending to be really nice. And then the moment we stopped, he was like, and none of you are getting any of it because you can't dance. What? 
Oh my God. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. When you're done with the story, I have a vaguely similar story that this reminds okay. me of. Anyway, so this guy, obviously we're terrified of him. And I was the camera operator and I didn't have the prop. And so I was just standing on the platform like... You know, I didn't have the prop to work with. And he screamed at me <laughs> and he was like, you need to be doing something up there. And so I, I was about to cry and I was just like pretending to be operating a camera. And afterwards, the the guy who was playing Willy Wonka, because it was always like the, the leads were high schoolers or whatever. And they were such mm-hmm. fucking sweethearts to all of us little kids because we all yeah. admired them. And uh, he was like, you did a great job. Aww. This, this poor 15-year-old probably having to console a nine-year-old freaking out because, you know, she got yelled at in front of the entire fucking cast by a grown man. Oh, my God. And his mom ran the ticket office and she was, you saw where he got it from. Oh, wow. It was a very oppressive Do you environment. think this was a person like who never made it and was taking out their <laughs> lack of fame on? Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. God bless, but man, because I I was in a couple of productions that the directors were great. They were super fun to work with, really nice to the kids. And then they left the, you know, theater. If you're in Wilmington, Tact was the theater that I did my stuff at. I'm sure my name is in Sharpie on the little cast member doors downstairs that everybody got to sign. I want to, okay, challenge to the listeners. I want a picture of it. I want a picture of that door. Oh, shit. Send me a picture of Layton's name on the door. No way. I mean, this was 15 years ago. Yeah. Send me a picture. There's no way they haven't like remodeled it. And then. I'm sure they have, but still. In high school. Break uh, into the theater. Any means necessary. We're not legally responsible for anything you do. Right, right. But use any means necessary to get in there. And then in high school, one of our like year-end dances took place in that same theater space. So it was a big uh, full circle. What was your story that you were alluding to? We're both still li- oh, listening yes. to TV. Oh, yes, we are. This is great. I-, I love it. Honestly, I really love it. My story, which I apologize if I've told before, was, okay, this is 10th grade for me. So what does that make you? Like 14, 15, maybe? It was a private day school, so teachers could be pretty young. You don't need to be certified, right, to teach at a private school. So we had this history teacher in 10th grade for world history. World history. And I'm not going to say the guy's name. Of course. Even though he's, as this uh, story will probably make you glad about, is no longer a teacher. Um, (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay, so it's we're, we're well through the year at this point. We're probably three quarters of the way through the year, maybe more. And on Friday, one week, he's like, okay, here's the deal. On Monday, we have a major exam covering, and he gives us a list of like 10 chapters in this world history book. World history book. It is, and it's the kind of thing, it's like the entire world throughout all of history. Okay, so like these 10 chapters, it's from like, I don't know, like 16th century Japan through 19th century Europe or some shit. I can't even remember. And he's like comprehensive exam on pretty much all of world history. We had not talked about this in class extensively, but whatever. It's like, this is it. You got to learn these chapters. Everyone freaks out. It's a prep school. It's like a day prep school. People are pretty like worried about getting into colleges. I probably was not like super worried about it, but I wanted to get good grades, you know? So I was worried about Mm -hmm. this. Everyone goes home. The kids who are going to study go nuts all weekend, all weekend studying these 10 chapters, like all nighters, got to absorb it, got to read it. We get to class on Monday. He gives us the test and it's one of these like analyze and contrast or something like that. You know, the following civilizations, yeah, 16th century Japan, 18th century Europe, 20th century America, that sort of shit. Oh, I couldn't do that as an adult. Yeah. All essay questions requiring a comprehensive knowledge of these things. Everyone's freaking out, scribbling wildly. Blah, 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 blah. Five minutes before the end of the class, he goes, hey, guess what? Just kidding. But, but. This is real if you tell the next section. 
And everyone's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that is you ruined vile. our entire weekends. And by the way, we had other work to do for other classes and shit and sports and everything a high schooler does, right? And then you make us complicit in your fucking scheme by telling us the test is going to count. Yeah, and then if there's one squeaky wheel, like... Yes. Was it counted? I don't think so, because <laughs> I guarantee you, like, some kid went right to the principal and was like, dude. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, you know, some teachers are better than others. Some teachers are downright hazardous. I have to say, this guy was, I don't think it was malicious. It was just inexperienced, and he had very, like, big rich white guy energy. Yeah, I had a very similar teacher in high school who everybody liked because he was that sort of uh, lovable asshole type. No idea what that is. Yeah. His class was, it was history. And the whole structure of the class is that every day there would be a pop quiz. I mean, I guess you know it's coming, so it's not a pop quiz, but it would be like 10 questions and then one extra credit that was like some knowledge of pop culture thing. But the prerequisite for it is that every single night we had to make 50 index cards with the term on the front. What? And the history on the back. every night? I am not exaggerating. 50 every night. That's insane. Yeah, it was. And for the longest time, you weren't allowed to type or print them. So you had to do it all longhand. And then I think eventually he relented and it had to be on index cards. You couldn't just print it and do it on the back. What the fuck? He, he got fired at the end of the first year for an unrelated incident, but, you know, made sense. But yeah, by the end of it, I just had like mounds of index cards and hmm. yeah. And you would get graded on the index cards. You had to turn them in and then do the quiz, which was on the index card. I mean, like, I'm not exaggerating when I say that I was regularly up till three or four in the morning oh doing God. all of the homework that I That's had. terrible. Yeah, it was bad. And they like relished in it too. They were like, you're going to have to deal with it. Don't complain about it. We had one guy for eighth grade history, which is like American history, like revolutionary war kind of stuff mostly, who was a, it was ex-military. Did we have the same eighth grade history teacher? (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I had a great time in his history class. You know, he wasn't an asshole, but he was very, like very, very high standards and just had this is the way I do things. And he would Mm -hmm. give us lists of concepts. And, you know, it's like, these are what you need to learn from this thing. And you write them out. And, you know, then you had to do these tests. I remember like doing well in them was a real sense of accomplishment. And then he moved to the high school and suddenly he was like a monster. (laughs) He was like disciplinarian or something instead of a history (sighs) teacher. And I was like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? You know, I really liked him as a history teacher. And then in his new role, it was just a disaster to the extent where they had like a major overhaul of the admins. Wow. And it wasn't just him. There was, a, there, you know, like a difficult headmaster. I will always remember this headmaster. God, what was his name? I don't know. But they had made some controversial policy and the students were mad. And he was giving some assembly, you know, some chat at the assembly. And he goes, look. I know what it's like to be mad at home. My wife's a screamer and everybody busts out laughing. <laughs> and he's like, you know what I mean? You know. And <laughs> my wife's Either. a screamer was a quote that people said for a while. No matter how you slice it, that's not a good thing to say to mm-hmm. a room of children. Yes. It's also like, I never missed homework. I never did not turn in homework. I was no, militantly, same, same, that was course. my nightmare. And it's also... I can count on one hand the times that I didn't do it. It was three separate times, one of which I got sent to the principal for. What? For not doing homework? Yes, once. How? It was with any time a bunch of people would not do their homework. I guess a bunch of people didn't do it. And so they sent a big group. And then I won't go into the consequences for me because that happened, but uh, that's some trauma. But- in hindsight, I'm like, I could have just not done homework. It would have no effect on my life today had I just gone a That's little bit easier. Pretty much right, right? Yeah. But I think after I graduated and after some 
certain things and uh, arrest happened at my high school. They eased up on homework and it was not as bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm glad that kids aren't getting tortured with that anymore because it's so unnecessary. I had no social life whatsoever. I mean, I didn't either, but not because of homework. Because, I mean, like, I understand why it was so rigorous. It didn't need to be that rigorous, but you're finishing four years of high school in two years, so, you mm-hmm. know, the rigor. Also, did you have to take Latin? No. In my school, Latin was not even remotely a requirement. They did offer it some, like, very watered-down version of it if you needed, like, extra language help. But it mm. was, ironically, the class that, like, the less strong students, at least in languages, would take with the idea of being it'll like help you identify Latin roots and things yeah. like that, which is not totally misplaced, but I, I didn't take it. I was taking Spanish, but I don't think they were actually learning Latin. Yeah. I think they were learning some, you know, Latin roots and stuff. So no, I would love to know Latin. One of my closest friends is like a Latin expert and it sounds really cool. It was mandatory for us, and I was really excited about it for that exact thing of, like, roots of words and reading, like, interesting texts. And I think we were lucky that the teacher famously didn't give a fuck because it was, like, ridiculously difficult. Because I was in a friend group of all of the, like, smartest, highest-achieving girls. Like, we were all, you know, nerds who weren't dating and doing anything crazy. We would just, you know, have Arrested Development watch parties and shit. But I was very thankful that I was in their group because we would all work together on the Latin stuff. That's cool. And, you know, the teacher, he was always in like a neon windbreaker. And every morning he brought in an extra large sonic cup that for sure had booze in it. There's no way there was not booze in that cup. And he did not care. Like it, it would be crazy hard worksheets and it would all be like, grammar. It was nothing interesting whatsoever. It was just like, do proper Latin grammar, you motherfucker. And, you know, you would have to do the worksheets and it was a problem if you didn't turn them in. But, you know, he didn't give a fuck. He didn't actually grade them. But there was still the Mm -hmm. expectation that you needed to do it. And I remember the teenagers getting textbooks. You're going to find all variety of things in there. I have never, ever seen a harder concentration of graffiti textbooks in my life because the book was uh, Eke mm. Homo. So, ah, there we go. Yep. <laughs> I, it was just like every Great. single page had dicks on it. And it was pretty amazing because they just wouldn't replace them. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, really great work. But no, it never went like more rigorous than like, see the man. The man has a ball. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I would love to have actually learned Latin, but that is not how that mm-hmm. shook out. Like, what was the worst teacher you ever had? I mean, including college? Not including college. I think it's a very different beast. Let's see. Also, people at home listening, if you did not sync up the TV glitter track, I'm disappointed in you. You're really missing out. Probably, when I was in eighth grade, I was in the advanced, advanced math section. So if you were advanced in math, you took algebra. If you were next level up, you took geometry. You know, you'd like break into the high school curriculum. Same with my middle school. Pretty typical, I think. And there were two of us taking geometry. And I basically placed into it mid-year and it was one teacher, it was me and another kid. And this teacher was just like, just mean. Like, and she definitely didn't know what she was talking about. And this geometry book (laughs) in retrospect sucked shit. It was like the worst kind of geometry, which as a, you know, professional mathematician, I feel somewhat qualified to opine on this now, but I hate geometry that is taught. Like here is how you do a proof statement, justification, like the little chart. Fucking dumb. You do need to justify your statements, but nobody does that in math. You write it out like you're telling a story. We do this because of this, and then this. Blah, blah, blah. You tell a story with the math, the the kind of proof which is like chart, reason, blah, 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 blah. I think maybe there's a good pedagogical reason behind it. I don't see it. So I really did not understand what we were doing. 
at least at some level, the teacher was mad that she had to be there. We extended a little bit into the summer, not because we were behind, but I think they just wanted us to finish a certain amount of material. And it was just me and another kid. And it was like painful. That was a really, really bad one. The one that really stands out, though, was there was an English teacher for one year at my school when I was, I don't know, a sophomore or junior who was like the yearbook advisor and I worked on the yearbook. And this woman was nuts. I mean, like mentally ill and <laughs> all right, mood played favorites like nobody's business would just fly off the handle into these rages. And I remember one day we were going in over the weekend to work on the yearbook and we showed up at the appointed time and she like blasts out of the door and is like, screw you. Are you, are you late? She hadn't adjusted the clock for daylight savings time. So we were all on the right time and she was not. And someone pointed out to her, hey, Miss Blank, these clocks are wrong. You didn't adjust the time. Well, I am like, it's like, no, 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 no. That's when you say, A, I behaved inappropriately, even if you guys were late, but also like calm down. I didn't have her for a class, but that really stands out. Yeah. This was, let's see, 30 years ago at this point, <laughs> And I still remember it. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that type of teacher who will fly off the handle, who also happens to be wrong all the time. Uh -huh. So my third grade teacher had it out for me specifically for some mm. reason. Ugh. The only thing that I could possibly think of is that she was also like a blonde haired, blue eyed woman. And mm. I think maybe she just like saw something very negative in me that was triggering for her somehow. But God, it was miserable. It was awful because I didn't understand why she hated me so much. And my friend and I, we would pass notes back and forth by crumbling up a ball of paper and leaving it on mm. the other person's desk because we're both nice. socially awkward nerds. And so mm. I would like take it and I would read it and I would put it in my backpack. And I remember one day she saw me do this and she interrupted class, unzipped my backpack, reached in, took it, stepped outside and read it and then put it back and didn't say shit about it. What was it? I don't remember. It was something like about video games. <laughs> it was nothing salacious. Another time we had to do like a project on the person that we admired most, like a figure in history. Mm -hmm. And I was a big SpongeBob fan. And so I wanted to do mine on Steven Hillenberg, who was the creator of SpongeBob, but also like a marine biologist. Mm -hmm. And she was like, no, you can't do that. You're doing George Washington. <laughs> um, there was one time I tripped over some of the pea plants that we were like incubating to study. And she... Mm -hmm was like, well, everyone be sure to thank Leighton for ruining our science project. Oh my God. <laughs> and then maybe the most egregious one was that my Nana had just died of cancer and my great-grandmother had died within two days of that. And I'm eight. And, you know, I think it was my parents, you know, letting her know what was going on because I was having some issues in class. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my parents let her know. And she was like, well, we all have things going on right now. Oh my God. During this conversation, I literally like ran out of child, the trailer. A yes. little child. Yeah, and ran into the woods just because I like could not deal. So yeah, fuck that lady. What was your deal? Like, <laughs> what was your, like, calm the fuck down. And who's letting her get away with that? Are people not seeing it? People must know, right? People I don't know. must know. Well, it was a bunch of eight-year-olds. What are they going to do? And it was in a right. trailer, so nobody right. was ever coming in to, like, observe or anything. Right. So problem. it was just kind of, like, whatever. Yeah. But I think maybe that one was just, like, so petty and nonsensical. But my high school English teacher was probably the worst teacher I've ever had in terms of... Because at least my third grade one wasn't a screamer and wasn't, like, vindictive on mm. mass. My high school English teacher was, like, everybody would meet in the hall and be, like, what kind of mood is she in today? Yeah. And I was her favorite. I was her favorite. And everybody resented me because I was her favorite for some goddamn reason. And she was still so mean to me. <laughs> the which person am I going to get today? We all have these people in our lives. But as a teacher, that it's, it's just awful. Like kids yeah. treading on eggshells. It's Oh, and it's extra great when the kid's already doing that at home and then has to right, come deal with right, that at course, school. That course. whips. I had someone say something similar. 
<laughs> this is not a fun story, but I'll tell it anyway. Late night with Brian Wax. Yeah, that's right. Comedy gold is what you're about to get <laughs> thrown in your face like a batch of hot acid. Um, <laughs> or say molten chocolate and yeah, butter. <laughs> oh, well, well, uh, that just sounds fun. Yeah, gutters run fudge. <laughs> so I was, this is the first year of my first postdoc. So I graduated with my doctorate and then moved on to a research job at, uh, at MIT. And that's a very high pressure situation. Like this is the first time in your academic life where you are really like, you're kind of on your own. You're doing your own thing. You're trying to make it to the next level. And MIT, I loved MIT. It's a good school and they expect you to do good work. So I start at MIT and this is just a few months after both my father and grandmother have died. And how old are you? I'm 29. I went through a major breakup, not exactly a devastating breakup, but like a brutal one with someone I hadn't been dating very long. This is the why can't your alone time include me person? Oh my God. If you remember that story. <laughs> I do yes. indeed. Yes. And I have a move, you know, I'm moving to a new city, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not having a good time of it. Also, my mother had just gotten diagnosed with her own cancer, exactly mm. on the heels of my father's death, like a month later. Oh, God. And so I, I'm like really at sea at this place, trying to get my head in the right place to do any work whatsoever. It's not going great. And one day I'm at the office late at night. There's another guy there who was a similar age, similar kind of situation, postdoc. And this is a dude I'd been, you know, we weren't close, but we were sort of friends. And we were talking about some physics. And I was like, you know, I kind of paused for a minute at one point. I was like, dude, you know, I got to say that I don't want to bring it down, but I've been having a really, really tough time recently. And I could, you know, we're working on this paper together. I was like, I could just use a little bit of help here. We're working pretty fast. If I'm slow to respond, just asking you for understanding. And this guy looks at me, he goes, we all have our own stuff going on. And just walks <laughs> away. And I was like, oh, you know, just heartbreaking. And not a guy I was even that close to. Just I was like, that's a nice guy. You know, it seems cool. We're, I'm going to open up a little bit. In a world where people are not typically very open about this stuff, this has changed a bit now, probably not that much, but it was really devastating. And I was like, what the fuck is, is happening? And also for the, it to stick out in your mind like that, you know, years and years and years later. And I still know the like, and I, I this guy and I stayed, we wrote the fucking pay. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's not like. I haven't I haven't been in touch with him since I left physics, but we would see each other throughout the years and stayed friendly, you know, nice enough guy, but just like brutally backhanded me with this one little thing to the extent where I will never forget that. Yeah. Uh, I guess along the lines of we all have our own shit going on. I'm sure you also experience the same thing of groaning whenever you get group projects and you can't pick the partner. Oh. Which it's like, no, I'm going to do this entire thing by myself. Mm -hmm. In my last two years of high school, when I was taking college courses, I took a sculpture. It was like a 3D sculpture class. It was genuinely really cool. It was a lot of like building stuff out of wood. There was one that we did with wire. I was awesome. I would like put on <laughs> Game Grumps on my headphones and I would, oh, yeah. you know, be on the belt sander with my shit. But our final project was that we had to do it with a partner and it had to be like a kinetic sculpture. Some part of it had to move. And so the concept that we came up with was, you know, there are those dice called story cubes and I really liked them because oh, yeah. you, it was yep. like a little game. You roll it, it gives mm -hmm. you pictures mm -hmm. and then you come up with a story, cute little mm -hmm. improv thing. And so the idea was that we would make large story cubes on rods so you can spin them and I would be able to paint like little symbols on it. Mm -hmm. And we worked on it in class it turned out to be a very complex thing because we couldn't just make the cubes by putting, you know, a bunch of square pieces. We had to stack them and then sand them down. And it was, it was just like a whole fucking thing. And there was a weekend right before it was due where pretty much everybody was just stuck in the studio working on their projects. Mm -hmm. Well, my partner doesn't show up. 
Oh my God. And keeps saying that she's going to show up. And the entire class is there with their partners working together. And they see me by myself and they're like, where the fuck is she? Like, this is so fucked up. Mm-hmm. And she kept like moving the goalpost of like, well, I'm working on stuff for other classes. Well, oh, I'm at my boyfriend's. And you're, you're like texting her. This is yeah, old yeah. Enough that you're, yeah. I'm like 17, 18 at this point. Mm-hmm. And she keeps texting saying that she's going to come. And also keep in mind, I'm a high school student. She is like a college student. Um, so there's oh, like an right. age okay. gap. Yeah, yeah. And I am doing this entire goddamn thing by myself. It's miserable. I am there from morning until night that whole weekend. And the entire class is seeing it. And so by mm-hmm. the end of it, they're like pissed. And they're like, okay, so during critique, here's the plan. We're going to compliment everything that you did. And we're going to shit on the few things that she did. They tell you this. Yeah. And so end of the weekend, I'm exhausted. It's like 11 o'clock at night. I still have to drive home and like eat dinner and shit. And I am not done. And so I text her like, hey, I'm sorry, I did as much as I can. You need to come in early tomorrow and finish this up before it's due because I've worked all weekend on this. Yeah. I go to sleep hoping that, you know, she has come in. I come into class the next morning. She is not there. She is late. She makes me help her do the things that she was supposed to do. And, you know, we present our projects. Everybody falls in line with the critique shit. It was very touching. Oh, nice. And then we had to do an evaluation forms of like how the project went. And so obviously on the form, I write that I did the entire thing by myself. Mm-hmm. But she saw me do that. Oh, no. <laughs> and she fucking rails me in the hallway. Like, I was doing so much stuff. Uh, how dare you? You could have just talked to me. Like, she was pissed. So at the end of the class, I ask her if she wants the sculpture. She says, no, I don't want it. I go huck it in the dumpster. And I tell the Mm -hmm. professor exactly what happened. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, she got a terrible grade. I got an A. Okay, well, that's good. This is not where I thought the story was going. I thought you were going to suffer, but instead. No, and I tweeted a picture of the story cubes in the dumpster. (laughs) I kept like two of them because I painted like my boyfriend on one and me on the other. And so I Mm -hmm. kept those two and I threw it in the dumpster. And then the creator of story cubes was like, why did you get rid of it? (gasps) Oh my God. That is fantastic. (laughs) I felt so bad. That is really great. It's like nothing against you. It's just my partner sucked and I never want to see this piece of shit ever again in my life. And then the creator sees it. That's... That's that's my nightmare. Yeah. This episode really did just become bitching about teachers and stuff, which I think is cathartic in a way. Every day I'm like relieved that I am no longer in school. If we have listeners who are in high school, God bless you and keep you. I hope you're well. It's the same with like not having to pretend that I'm Christian and also not being in school. Both of those things are incredibly freeing once you're an independent adult. It's great. I have less guilt about things. Still guilt, but less. Is it time for segments? I think it is. All right. Well, late in our first segment. Wait, hold on. Our first segment is our pop culture recommendation segment where you get to talk about a book a movie, a video game, or any any pop culture, either high or low, that you've been enjoying recently. It's called What's Poppin'. And the theme song goes here. Lightning, what's popping? What's popping for me? I'm changing it on the fly. Okay, uh, do it. Originally, what's popping was just going to be Elliot Smith because I love Elliot Smith. I just needed to pick something. If you haven't listened to Elliot Smith, ultimate sad guitar music, it's the best. Yep. And for some goddamn reason, the iconic figure eight wall in Silver Lake, I'm so glad I got to see it before they got rid of it. But now two different bars have been put in its place for the artist who famously struggled with alcoholism and then died. But what you're failing to take into account, Layton, is that Silver Lake didn't have enough bars. Well, yeah. And and they do the disservice of not even calling it between the bar. Fuck off. 
Anyway, no. that's not what's popping for me. Uh, what's popping for me, I have not watched I Think You Should Leave season three yet. Oh, okay. I've been meaning to. Okay. But I did see the Darman Doggy Door sketch. Oh, and that's the best one. It killed me. I, I keep thinking about it. For 50 seconds, I thought there was <laughs> thought monsters, there monsters on the world. monsters on the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just the delivery of what the fuck? Yeah. Ah. Uh, I love it. So that's what's popping for me. It just makes me happy. Yeah, I love Dharma and Doggy Door. It's great. I have to say, I, I thought season three is very good. I think it's the weakest of the yeah. three seasons, personally. You know, he's always yelled. I feel like we're getting into a bit of a rut with the Tim Robinson. Dang! But it's also very funny, and I love it. So yeah. it's just starting to feel a little played out to me. Yeah, I mean, because I regularly watch Coffin Flop just when I'm oh, feeling sure. bad. It's the yeah. Darman Doggy Door has the exact same structure of Cough and Flop and I'm fine with it. It's great. Sure. sure. But yeah, that's that's what I've heard about season three that like Tim Robinson can't just keep being the weird guy but then when it's a sketch with other people, everyone is just trying to be the Tim Robinson. Yes. But yeah, so that's what's popping for me. What's popping for you? Well, look, I'm going to pop something that I've only really experienced part of, but it is so singularly fucking weird that you have to check it out. Are you aware what the latest Smokey Robinson album is entitled? No. So Smokey Robinson, who is 80 something, look up the latest Smokey Robinson album, if you will. <laughs> Wait, gasms? Gasms. Wow. Smokey Robinson in 2023 at age 80 question mark has released an album called Gasms. And do you want to read the track list for us, Layden? <laughs> Fucking way. <laughs> well, you just hit us with these titles. There's only nine. It won't take long. <clears throat> One, Gasms. Two, How You Make Me Feel. Three, I Want to Know Your Body. Four, I Keep Calling You. Five, Roll Around. Six, Beside You. Seven, if we don't have each other. And now here's where it really gets great. Eight, you fill me up. Nine. Nine. I fit in there. <laughs> I fit in there. I fit in there. Now, I am in a sex band. <laughs> that is my job. This guy beat me in my own game. Like, Gasms feels like a Brian Wecht original. <laughs> One Hundred percent. By the way, if you listen to that title track, Gasms, they say the word gasm a lot. <laughs> and they sing the word gasm a lot. Okay, I feel like okay, we're gonna pause TV glitter here. No, I'm not pausing. Okay, 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 okay. Dare pause it. Okay, 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 okay. Fair enough. Calm the fuck down. I see. Down. I can look at the lyrics. I can look at the lyrics. I see mine. No, no, but it's you have to listen to it. It's ear-gasms. so. It's not the same unless you play it from the start. Can You're we the please one listen to it for my gasms, gasms, gasms? Parentheses, gasms, gasms. Okay, it's, it's, fine. It's those gasms, gasms, gasms that are the <laughs> the ones I want you to hear. So, so let's start gasms from the beginning. I'm gonna keep TV glitter yeah, playing. Okay, I'll yeah, do the and same. I'm gonna put it on quiet. Okay, here we go. Here we go with gasms. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, play. <laughs> he is not joking. By the way. Every comment on the YouTube video is like sexiest song of all time. You know what? It's fucking great. Yeah. Except you have to listen to him go gasm, gasm. And then the background, <laughs> the backing vocals go gasm, gasm, you know, whatever. It's truly amazing. And look at that cover. Oh, like his it's just eyes. Smoke. His, I mean, he's famously like a hot guy and well, he fits in there. What can you say? Like, <laughs> he fits in there. Listening to that, it's like, I can't believe this isn't an intersex party song. 100%. That's why I'm so enamored of it. If I did exactly that, people would be like, this is the best song you've ever done. Yeah. You know, like, it's so funny. And it is played completely straight. The guy has a sense of humor. Like, it's not like he is devoid of a sense of humor. But A, I love an 84 or whatever year old releasing an album called Gasms. Gotta respect it. That dude's fucking at 84. Like He's been fucking you know his whole life. Like, oh, hell yeah. I just heard an interview with him. Uh, Mark Marin had him on, then he was on Bold. He was making the rounds with this album. And every time he talks about it, it's just amazing. Because he's like, you think I'm talking about orgasms. But actually, <laughs> I'm talking about 
all the gasms. And gasms. And ga- yeah, hand gas that's right. But gasms. But gasms, by the way. <laughs> but but gasm is definitely a word I have tweeted without context from the Ninja Sex Party account. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, sense. listen to Smokey Robinson's latest album, Gasms. It's not bad. It really is not a bad album. I haven't listened to the whole thing, but I love that it exists and it doesn't suck. Yeah. I mean, it's really a bop. It's a great song. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. That is What is Poppin'? And we are so enamored of What is Poppin'? We have five minutes left on TV Clitter here, by the way. I know. I can't believe we're getting to the whole thing. It's great. Yeah. I feel like yeah. it really set a tone for this episode. I totally agree. Dark education stories. <laughs> Anyway, so it's time for our final segment. Y'all know the deal. It's three peaches, one lemon. The segment's called Peaches and Lemons. And the theme song goes right here, but it's not as good as Stevie Litter. Peaches and lemons. Peaches and lemons. All right. Cool. We'll both start with a lemon. We all know what lemons are, right? We know what lemons are. We don't have a guest. I don't have to explain myself nope. to you. Finally, we lost the, the millstone of guests. Yeah. Was it millstone or whetstone? Millstone. Whetstone? Millstone? Anyway, grindstone? So. No, it's like you have a millstone around your neck. I think it's millstone. Isn't it an albatross around your neck? That's also that, but I feel like there's one with a... How many things can be around your neck? I mean, you're asking the right guy a lot. <laughs> Hands, feet. Yeah. All gasms, End of too. list. Yes. <laughs> I'll go first. My lemon is that I would just love to have a normal dream. Like, Mm. I'm driving a car. Brakes work correctly. I'm not drunk in the car. Nothing weird is happening outside of the car. I took a nap today that I sorely needed due to waking up very early. And just, I woke up more exhausted because the dream was exhausting. So I'd like for that to stop. In fact, I'll take no dreams. I'm good. Stop it. This is the trade-off for being on voluminous quantities of SSRIs. So I guess that's just how it's going to be. But I don't care for it. Yeah, that's my life. I don't remember dreams, generally speaking. I'll get there one day. Mm -hmm. All right, Brian, what's your lemon? My lemon is uh, Audrey's in a really awesome hiking camp this week, but it's not close to where we live. And I'm spending three hours a day in the car, like driving Uh. her there. It's between two and three hours a day. And she's having a great time. It's worth it. But we did this earlier in the summer and it was awesome. And the commute was not as bad. But where they are this time, they're kind of out of the way. And this is like an exceptionally busy week for me. Yeah, yeah. I have a million things going on. And I just have three hours that I can chuck out the fucking window because I got to pick this kid up. And look, I will do anything for my daughter. I would drive all day if it meant she would have a great day. But this is not a great week for an extra three-hour commute. Yeah. So okay, when we were looking at like schools, but it's like half an hour away. No fucking thank you because I don't want to be in a car for two hours a day. Again, my kid's worth almost anything, but this commute is pretty brutal. And even doing it for a week, it's like, fuck. So that's my lemon. All right. Good lemon. All right. We'll do peaches. I'll go first. Uh, for, for this week, can we call peaches, can we call them gasms? Lemons and gasms? Yeah, sure. All right, sure. What are your gasms this uh, week? Well, call me a Joanna Newsom song because <laughs> my, my first peach slash gasm is this morning I bought some, some plums and a cherries. Harp. So oh. some peach, plum, cherry. I didn't get pears. But yeah, I just like woke up this morning and I was like, I need some fucking fruit. I have to get fruit. I think maybe it's because I'm chronically dehydrated and it's hot out. And so mm-hmm. the idea of a nice oh. juicy plum. Oh, that, but this is the time for it. This is peach season. I just ate a, I messily <sighs> ate a peach earlier this afternoon. Oh, I demolished some plums and had the, you know, dripping down your arm, down oh, your chin. Yep. Great. Yep. Got to eat them over the sink. Refreshing. Uh, my second peach is that normally when I play Dead by Daylight with the gamers, it's usually like me and Meowch and uh, have and, you know, Aaron will join us. But last night it was just me and Aaron. Vernon popped in to watch us for a bit, but like I see Aaron really getting into the game now. You know, he's all about the blood points. He wants to gen jockey and it's really cute. Uh, and we had a great time. That's great. 
And then my final peach is, it's this little lip thing that I have. It's, it's Para Para Ink Velvet 17, Rosy Nude. And it comes in this cute little like dropper bottle. It's not actually a dropper. It's like just shaped like that. So it's that. But this might be my Holy Grail lip product. It smells great. What does it even smell like? It just smells very good. But it's very like refreshing. It dries matte, but is not like flaky. You know, it stays and it looks great. So yeah. Oh, the song's over. That's my third peach. Wow. Now we're on Tomb's Bells, but uh, TV Glitter. Check it out. Uh, yeah. So those are my peaches. What about you? Those are your what? Those, those are my gasms. Oh, there we go. Great, great, great. I, I genuinely didn't understand you. I totally said gasms before. Great. Uh, my gasms this week. <laughs> my first gasm uh, in my list of three gasms is that we have started PR for the Trey Magnifique album. It is totally a real thing that is happening. And that was like the big thing I had to do for the last uh, 24 hours plus is compiling all the shit that the PR firm needs. This is all like out of pocket. I decided to go for it and see what we can do. Very excited about working with these folks. They come very highly recommended and we're going to like try to get some fucking, I don't know, interviews or something. I don't know, something. So yeah. uh, we'll see. It's, I've never done like a PR thing just for me. We've done it for NSP. Uh, we've done it for other stuff, but we're going to see this whole Trey Magnifique album has been a decision to like invest in myself to actually like put time and money, you know, for making the thing, et cetera, behind it. And it's a gamble. I don't expect to recoup costs on it, but I am happy with myself for being like, you know what? I'm worth it. I'm going to hire a PR company. And it's fucking great. The stuff that you showed me that I've heard of is just wonderful. Very excited about it. And it's just nice to know that it's like the countdown starts now to quote the Fleming lips. Yeah. But the fight begins now. Uh, Peach, sorry, gasm, 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 gasm number two. Oh, that was close. With another person, uh, I am making NSP sheet music. And basically I I hired a a guy I know well who's done some of our string arrangements, Dallas Cruz, to come up with. That's a great uh, name. Dallas Cruz, yeah, and he's a great musician to come up with arrangements for a bunch of NSP songs that I thought would work well for vocal and piano. And he he like banged these things out in a very, like, so fast. I was like, oh, oh, shit. Uh, (laughs) So I'm like going through them and all that. But I think for the first time is not an official announcement. I don't know when they're actually going to come out, but we're doing sheet music and we've never done it before. Because also Danny and Jim don't read music. And that's not a value judgment on them as musicians whatsoever. Some of the greatest musicians in the world never read sheet music. You know, so it's it's on me and Dallas to do it. And I'm excited. It's fun. Like, I don't do sheet music that much for what I do. And it's exciting to see it. Awesome. What's your last gasm? My last gasm. It's a bit of an advertisement, uh, a gasvertisement. In November, November 3rd and 4th, Uh, With the folks at the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe and guests on this show, Andrea Jones-Roy and George Robb, we are putting on a little conference in White Plains, New York, you know, with the Skeptic's Guide folks. We've done this conference Nexus for a while. We wanted to do something that is not that. It has no talks. It's just like people hanging out and entertainment and we're calling it not a con because it is not. Con. That's and very cute. We're just going to be hanging out in you know this place in White Plains for a couple of days, and George and I are doing like a, a sing along together. We're going to you know play stuff where the audience sings along. I'm going to do some Ninja Brian stuff, some Trey Magnifique stuff, and skeptics are going to do a podcast. You know the live taping of the podcast, and a lot of time for just meeting people and hanging out. So there are still tickets available for that. There aren't many though. They went to you know mostly Skeptics Guide like patrons and fans and stuff. But I think it's going to be a really fun time and I'm just going to be hanging out all weekend. That's awesome. It really is just pure, you know, socializing and entertainment. It's not a science conference. It's like, hey, come hang out. So we'll see how it cool. goes. Cool. Not a con. Uh, not a con. And if you look at the skepticsguide.org, uh, you can get tickets there. So it's right there. 
That's my final gasm. The last gasm wow. of Brian Weck. <laughs> Dr. Brian Weck's Christ. final gasm. Well, this was a success, I believe. What a delight. I love these solo episodes there. I love having guests, but it's also fun just to see <laughs> and, where... And the numbers don't lie. People mostly listen to those solo episodes, which means we should probably do more of them. And they're also easier to book. Yes, indeed. So that's it. Everyone at home, I hope you're doing well, that you're drinking water, that you're not uh, broiling and crisping under the sun. And just gasms. I hope you has them. Gasm, I hope you has them. Wow. Was that, that's not one of his actual lyrics, is it? Uh, there was something about I has them in that song. But, you know, I, I just want to spread that message to the world. That It's that's like <laughs> broke, stay safe, come hard. Woke, gasms, I hope you has them. <laughs> that's perfect. I was going to play us out, but I can't top that. Yeah, so fuck that. Yeah. All right. See ya. Right, bye, everybody. Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com. <laughs>